0: Hello everyone, this is Lara. Welcome to Math for Knitters, episode 42. And I'm actually repeating this episode <laughs> because I just recorded and one of the computers in this office is insanely loud. It came across as this hissing noise and I tried to fix it, and then it was just. Then I sounded robotic. It was just crazy. So anyway, I'm just starting over again. <laughs> All of the questions uh, for this show actually come from listeners: uh, two messages from Ravelry and one direct email. And I love hearing from my listeners, even if I don't always answer very quickly. But basically, I had two different questions about sizing, essentially. Ashen Grace. Uh, was asking about resizing a pair of men's fingerless mitts and I think here I would just go for the usual principle of width in percentages heights in measurements or whip hem and what that basically means is that if you know that you need to change the general size as in like a round of the object you're making for either gauge reasons or because the pattern is a different size than what you want then you can actually um, just figure out what percentage different what your final thing is from the written pattern and you can then apply that percentage to all of the stitch measurements uh, number of stitches with which are basically width measurements throughout the pattern And then what you can do is you have to kind of apply a little common sense and also maybe direct measurement to the height or the length of the object you're making. Mm -hmm. Uh hold on a second. I'm sorry, my my cat boomer doesn't want to shut up. He napped quietly on the chair for the first time I did this, and now he's oh, okay, okay. Oh now he really wants in my lap. Anyway. So it's just the same uh, principle that I would apply to resizing any project applies to knitted mitts. I would hope that you would maybe go for a ribbing throughout the hand, because even if you know someone's size, those things like hands and socks can be very difficult to size for. So especially if you don't, if you're making it for a gift that you want to be a surprise, I would definitely aim for some level of ribbing throughout the body of that piece. So there's that. And now, and also Lisa M asked about resizing commercial patterns to help add ease to the upper arm. Now, I also have somewhat large upper arms. I have my whole life had a hard time finding clothes that really fit if they're fitted in that area. And I've never had a problem with sweaters. Um, And I just realized too, when I was recording this last show, that I've never knit an adult sized sweater from a written pattern for myself, um, which is actually a little freaky. (laughs) But um, what I would say is if you're, unless you want to just reimagine the pattern as seamless as either a raglan or some other seamless construction, in which case you can monkey with any measurements as much as you want at will, I would just add extra stitches to the middle of the sleeve cap leave the beginning alone, leave the sides alone, you know, add one inches or two inches, whatever you think you need to make that sleeve wide enough for you. Um, I would say that it's easy to underestimate how stretchy knitting is. But then again, I don't think that a large upper arm would be a big deal. Now, my last question of the day comes from Melissa. And she has a church group that is knitting six by six inch squares to make an afghan for donation. They have all different kinds of yarn, donated yarn. Some of them don't even have a ball band. And she would like to know how many stitches to cast on based on a gauge swatch. Well, in a gauge swatch, this is extremely easy. Um, If your gauge swatch is, for example, four inches wide, then all you would need to know is the number of stitches it took to make that swatch that you know four inches wide and actually in this case you would just multiply it by one and a half um, because you would be dividing by four and multiplying by six to get six inches and six divided by four is one and a half so that's super super easy if you do not want to mess with a gauge swatch I would because a six inch square is essentially a gauge swatch I would suggest that you try to make um, some squares on the diagonal now the only side effect this is that with some yarns that don't block very well like acrylic yarns then you sometimes end up with a real diamond shape instead of a square and so that's kind of a um that can be kind of a problem but typically it works out um I just did a a little sample and actually made more of a diamond shape but I think if I I blocked it I could make it a square I'll have a picture of it it looks a little sad (laughs) but um I also would not slip the first stitch of every row if I were making it for an afghan, because when you go to sew up, you can actually put those little garter stitch bumps next to each other, line them up one by one, and it makes your sewing up very easy, very smooth, and makes a really nice, good seam. with no backstitching necessary, because we all know how much we love backstitching. Okay, so here's how I made my little sample. I cast on three stitches and then in my first, well, I'll give you the general idea first. The general idea is that you're making a garter stitch square, but you're making it by increasing two stitches every other row for the first half, which makes a triangle, and then decreasing two stitches every other row for the second half, which makes kind of the top of the triangle, which you put two equilateral triangles together and it makes a square. And what I've done, too, is I've kept a one stitch, the central stitch, uh, in stockinette stitch the whole way, and the rest of the square is in garter stitch. And what that does is it kind of gives me a neat little guideline so that I always know which row I'm on, if I'm on a regular row or an increase or decrease row, so that's nice. Um, and it also looks kind of nice, but unfortunately, it also leads to a little bit of that diamondy effect that I was talking about earlier. Now I've chosen to use a central stitch to increase and decrease around, but if you don't like that look or if you want to try something different, you can increase or decrease at the edges of the piece. You see this a lot for diagonally knit um, washcloth patterns, and basically you cast on three stitches and then you increase at the edges of the piece, so at the beginning at the end every other row until you get to the midpoint, which in this case would be when one side measures six inches wide or six inches tall, either way. And then you decrease um, also along the edges. And it, it makes for quite a nice little piece. And what's what's fun about it, too, is then you can um, just play. And especially if you have a variegated yarn, it looks really, really nice. So basically what I did is um, to make that stockinette a stitch one little stockinette stitch move across the piece smoothly um, For my increases. I actually did a lifted increase. It's also known as a m1 increase and Basically, that means that when you get to your central stitch you um, Grab the yarn that's running between the stitch you just knit and the stitch you're about to knit with and I like to grab it with my left hand needle And when I am in front of my central stitch, I grab it from the front and knit that stitch from the back to twist it. And when I'm past it or behind it, I grab that stitch from the back and knit into the front of it to twist it. And that just twists it either to the right or to the left. And I think just makes it look a little bit tidier. But if you're not that finicky, you can just pick whatever method you like. And in fact, if you don't twist the stitch, you will get a very small eyelet right there. So you can experiment with that. And then once I once I got to my halfway point, I did not make my piece six inches wide, by the way, which you will see <laughs> when you see the picture. But if you once you get to that midpoint, do your decreases. Um, I actually do a really neat double decrease that to me just seems like magic. I honestly cannot tell you how or why it works. I just know that it does, and it looks gorgeous. It's my favorite double decrease ever. ever. So what you do is you get to... Um, when you're one stitch in front of your central stitch. So you're gonna take three stitches and turn them into two. So right now you're dealing with the first and second stitch of your three, I'm sorry, you are going to take three stitches and turn them into one, otherwise it would not be a double decrease. (laughs) Um, But you're dealing with the first and the second stitch of this group of three. So you grab them as if you're going to knit them together but instead of, instead of knitting them together, you just move them onto the right-hand needle. Then you knit the third stitch, and then you take your left-hand needle and you pass the two slip stitches over the stitch you just knit, kind of as if when you're binding off, and it makes just a really neat, slightly larger stitch in knit stitch that actually, I think, stands up a little bit above the work, and I think it looks just great. So that's that's my little piece for today. Um, and I will photograph that and add it to the blog. Um, once again the the web uh, website for this show is Math4Knitters. That's the number four dot blogspot.com. That's B L O G S P O T dot com. And I hope you have a nice January. Uh, oh my gosh, I just recorded this twice as fast. <laughs> I hope that doesn't mean that I was talking twice as fast. I hope it means that I was more organized and meandered less. But if this is super fast, I am very sorry. I have once again had a big old cup of coffee right before recording the show, which I know is a mistake. I don't know why I keep doing it. I need to give myself like a little sticky note on my computer that says do not drink coffee before you podcast, Laura. But anyway, um, as you might Tell from today's show. I love feedback. I love questions. I will answer you. Although on Ravelry, I tend not to check in as much as I should, so sometimes it takes me a while to get back. But I will try to be as helpful as possible. And don't be surprised if you end up uh, being mentioned <laughs> on this show. I I really the reason I did that big slow down for so long. Well, partly my life got a lot busier, but also The other reason is that I just plum ran out of ideas. I have lots of ideas um, for lots of things, but I kind of ran out of the mathy bits of knitting. So even if it's something that I've covered before, if you'd like to hear more on a particular topic or you have a question or a problem, please, please, please just let me know. And I cannot wait to hear from you. Have a great January, and I turn thirty next month. <laughs> oh, I mentioned this i think um yeah i turn I turned thirty in a couple of weeks, and I'm actually very excited about it. One of my best friends in the world told me that when she turned thirty she was really happy because she didn't have to try to be cool <laughs> anymore. She could just you know what i'm in, I'm in my thirties, nobody could make me um you know, go out if I don't want to go out. No, you know, I, my excuse is now that I'm, I'm 30. <laughs> so I can't wait. And, um, yeah, I hope you guys have a nice, uh, next month. I think I will probably be able to do another show around the middle of the month, but who knows? Uh, life is strange, but hopefully I'll be able to do one in February. Okay. See you later. Thanks. Bye-bye.